0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to remind you about Hassle Cattle Company. Hassle Cattle Company, that's hassle Free Meats. We brought you damn good beer, now we're bringing you damn, damn good beef. You guys know about this, you've been listening to the show for a while. Family-owned company out of Texas that ships blue-collar Wagyu all over the USA. And they have some of the best New York strips, smoked sausage, beef bacon, Wagyu frank, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. We love it. They sent us a, the, you know, a, a sample pack, and now everybody in the company has re upped ordering through them because it's so great. They ship it right to your door, and it's fantastic. Right now, if you use promo code DNBR or DNBR10, you get 10% off your order. That's dnvr 10 for 10% off. Go to hasslecattlecompany.com, H A S S E L L, cattlecompany.com. What is up, everybody? And welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. And you want to do that, especially if you're going to tune in and watch our pregame show tomorrow as the Nuggets take on the Portland Trailblazers. We're going to be right there in the DNVR pregame lounge, uh, and we always make bets. It's a super fun show. If you haven't checked it out, you really ought to. Um, it's like a bonus podcast. I mean this sincerely. We preview the game at the end of it and we talk about some things that you know maybe expire over time but a lot of our topics are just broad topics tomorrow I'll talk about with the, with the guys I'll talk to them about Carmelo Anthony it's been 10 years now since the Carmelo Anthony trade so we'll have a nice little conversation about that and what it means uh you know what that era meant meant to us and all that kind of stuff so if you're jonesing for more Denver Nuggets content don't forget to check out uh the DNVR Nuggets pregame show which is up on our YouTube channel of course just search DNVR hit the subscribe button uh, hit the alert button so you get a little pop-up notification on your phone you'll never miss an episode today's show is going to be a notebook episode myself flying solo here I uh, haven't done one of these over on this. I have been doing them over at the Lockdown Nuggets podcast, but I haven't been doing them over here very much recently and wanted to uh, you know, bring this over here uh, to kind of talk in detail about what I saw in this last game against the Atlanta Hawks. For a game that was frustrating to watch, it, there was actually a lot of I- I- interesting details I- and things to kind of take away from it. So I'm going to kind of go over that line by line. If you're new to the show, first of all, welcome. Um, but these notebook episodes are me solo talking about everything that I, I, I take really detailed notes when I go back and rewatch the game a second time, sometimes a third time, this one only only two, two go through, um, and just go in chronological order. The first thing I have, the first play of the game, Jokic gets the ball down on the block, Clint Capella guarding him, and he misses a five-footer. It just rattled out, and maybe as Chris Marlowe says, it was a harbinger of things to come because Jokic has not had an off game, in my opinion, this whole year. You know, he played a bad game against the Lakers, but I thought that had more to do with foul trouble. Um, so this this Hawks game was the second bad game, but it was the first one where I felt like he was just off. His shot was off. He was His shot was a little off in that Laker game too, but this one just really couldn't get anything to go down, including a bunch of really easy looks. And you could tell he was getting frustrated. I've said that one of the things, my theory, is my own Adam Modis theory here about Nikola Jokic is that when he's out of shape or tired, the mental frustrations with him are more noticeable. And we saw, you know, the backcourt fouls in years past, the Euro fouls, the freaking out at refs, this or that. I thought that had as much to do with sort of his conditioning. And when he gets tired, he gets more irritable or this or that. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it was coming on the end of this road trip that featured a back-to-back at the front of this road trip. I mean, what, who makes these schedules? You, I, I, don't, I know there's a lot of challenges. But when you have a four or five game road trip and you put a back to back at the front end of that road trip, you're just setting a team up to be exhausted the whole way through. I'm not trying to make excuses here, but, um, you know, you look at Denver and you think, OK, um, you know, they were clearly tired uh, or, or Jokic, I, I think, probably tired in this one, missing a bunch of little little shots. And I thought he got annoyed. and You can kind of see it on his face and you, know, I, 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 watching him. I thought maybe he'd have a big fourth quarter, but I thought second, third quarter, I was like, he's too frustrated with himself. He's going to keep missing these shots. The Nuggets, so they start with a miss with Jokic, then they get two, two turnovers on the next two plays. There's just an awful start that kind of set the tone. Now, they did bounce back from that awful start and had a really nice rest of the first quarter, but it's at least noteworthy that they had two really bad. I mean, Will Barton dribbles down, tries to post up Zeke Nagy. Zeke Nagy gets his first career start, and Barton kind of gave him a tough pass right off the bat that even if he would have caught the pass, he has a tough like one-on-one post finish that you know, if you're a re- if you're a veteran like Will Barton and you have a rookie out there in his first start, giving him like a tough decision right off the bat, probably not a good thing. But, um, you know, nonetheless, Denver out of sync a little bit. I will say, though, I really like how ready to shoot Zeke Nagy is at all time. He's a no hesitation guy and not a no hesitation guy as in like, oh, he's taking too many. He just seems he I'm telling you, it's a mentality with basketball players. And I'm saying this from experience. It's a mentality with basketball players that you just commit to shooting the ball when you're open and understanding when those shots are, arrive at you. And I think Zeke Naji is one of those guys that clearly understands, he's a smart guy, clearly understands, hey, this is my shot or this is not my shot. And if it's his shot, there's just doesn't seem to be a lot of second guessing. He just puts it up. He goes into his rhythm, make or miss, whatever. He's like, yeah, I'm supposed to shoot this, so I'm going to shoot it with no sort of conscious. And I really like that about him. Um I thought Michael Porter's defense early on was very good. Actually I would I'll, I'll go ahead and say I thought it was great. He had great energy. Um you know, he's always going to be a guy not always, but at least for the foreseeable future is going to be a guy where it looks like he's thinking the game really hard. But when he's locked in and trying to make big efforts on that end it it just stands out and I thought the entire first quarter was a very strong one from him defensively from an effort standpoint and he made some great plays. One of the things that's funny is you know, you can have a player who makes a ton of like Michael Porter is a guy that is mistake prone, but he's so talented that he makes up for him. This is especially true on offense where you'd say, Oh man, that's a bad shot and then he hits it. You go like, Okay, well, he cannot make enough of those that you're still frustrated that he takes them and you wish that his shot selection would get better, but he's so good that whatever, look at the look at the numbers. Defensively, it's the same way. does he miss a lot of rotations. Yeah, more than a player. I'm gonna talk about Zeke Naji's defense a lot in this because it really stood out in a positive way to me. Um, but you know, he's one of those guys that Michael Porter is that can mess up or be late on a rotation and still recover and make a block shot. And that just really stands out to me. And he had one of those uh, in that first quarter where he got over and blocked. I think it was Trey Young's shot. Maybe it was somebody else's, but he comes from the corner. He's actually late on the rotation, but he gets all the way over there and blocks it off the backboard. And it was just one of those plays that you're like, holy cow, there's not that many players in the NBA that could have made, that could have closed the gap like Michael Porter did in that one. The physical tools are there. I'm telling you, I know there's a lot of the fan base. I shouldn't say a lot. There's a handful of people that watch DNVR and comment in the in the DNVR Discord. Which, if you're a member, this is one of the huge hidden perks. Talking on Twitter or Reddit or Facebook or any of these social medias. You know there's all these people there you might get into a conversation with nuggets fans and they just like throw terrible takes or they're just yelling at each other people or whatever you go to the discord and you got people that are paying to be there they're not gonna they don't want to risk getting cut out so they're very respectful they talk but even surveying those people you know there's a lot of people that seem to be low on porter and just wanting maybe to move on or you know don't don't really believe in his upside or this or that i i maintain that i think his upside is incredible Yes, right now he's he's pretty limited offensively. He's kind of in a rut. It looks like he doesn't have a great handle and defensively he gets lost a lot. But when you see plays like him able to close that gap, when you see him be able to put up 10 rebounds pretty effortlessly yeah. and things like that. And then just how disruptive he can be in the passing lanes. I still think he can be a great great player, but you know, obviously he has a lot a lot to learn on the game, but games like this one, especially in that first quarter, I thought there was a lot of positives. Zeke Naji's footwork on closeouts I thought was great. Um there's there's a play up on the list. I did an episode. It's been a couple of weeks, guys. I apologize. Just been wrapped up with some of the other DNBR stuff, but hopefully you get a couple of different episodes of the list out here in the next week and a half or so. Um, you know, try to hit if not all games, most games. Um, but I had a clip on there of Zeke's closeout, and Zeke is a big guy. He played like, you know, he played a big in college in the NBA now with so many stretch players and John Collins is a stretch four you know, it's, it's a little bit harder for guys to maybe be able to consistently, you know, you'd have to be, have more guard skills. Well, Zeke Naji, he had great footwork on his closeouts in this game, kept his hands high, kept his base low and just closed out in a way that challenges shots because he's got that length and he's got that size but also sort of kept, uh, you know, was light enough on his feet that he could still play defense. And it just really stood out to me on rewatch how fundamentally sound this guy was. Zeke Naji is the winner of this game. And I, 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 when I went back and watched the game and I, I made a point to really throw up some of these on the list Again, getting list is up on the for DNBR members. I put a couple clips up on our YouTube page. So if you're curious, you want to know what the list is all about. You can get a nice preview. There's two plays up on there. One of them, Both of them are actually about Zeke Nagy's defense in some capacity, but um, you know you you just really see a lot of his like how locked in he is, how much he seems to just understand what he's supposed to do. It's a nice contrast to Michael Porter, and I'm not trying to rag on Porter here, but Zeke Nagy, it seems almost natural to him reading the court defensively. Like, okay, this is what's coming next. He's just you could tell he's thinking about what might happen a step ahead, and um, he he just he's very ahead of the curve on on that way. Um, He did step out of bounds on a three early on. And this is an interesting skill because if you watch him, he's in the dunker spot. And then as the court kind of shifts, he he backpedals to the three-point line, but he backpedaled too far. I remember back in the Miami Heat days when, my, when Ray Allen hit that shot, of course, the shot that saved game six and then ultimately helped the Heat go on to win games, you know, to win the NBA championship. When he hit that shot. after the game in an interview he talked about how every day he would practice backpedaling from the paint to the corner so that he could feel the the court and i remember back in uh With my AAU program, I worked out with a guy named John Bailey here in Denver. He used to always have us do drills where we couldn't look down. We had to like backpedal from one end of the court to the other, but we had to look up because he he kept saying, feel the court, as in you need to kind of know in your head subconsciously how many paces it takes you to get to the end of the court backwards and do all these different things and I think with Zeke Naji, you know, he didn't shoot a ton of threes in the NBA. The NBA court's different than the college court. I think as he's going to be a guy that's asked to bounce between the dunker spot, which is along the baseline outside the paint, as he's supposed to bounce between there and the corner – Um, just having that working to improve even that sense of where he's at on the court and quickly be able to backpedal directly to the three-point line to go into your shot will be big. And um, you know, again, that's just a kind of a rookie thing and I'm sure it's him being in a position he's not very familiar with. Uh, I thought another big note I have in here, Nikola Jokic looked for Michael Porter a lot in this game and that has not always been the case throughout this season. I thought that Jokic has looked him off a, a fair amount early on and uh, you know, you could tell obviously Jokic has been frustrated, but in this game, I thought he looked for Porter a lot. And I highlighted one such example up on the list where Jokic has, you guys have to understand that Jokic is a lot like the quarterback on the offense. When Denver gets into that continuity, you know, a lot of what Denver runs is like there's an initial option, like uh, people will call it a play. It's really just an initial, like, hey, we're going to run this pick and roll, or you're going to run this pin down, and then we're going to get to this handoff. And then after that, it's just read and react. Well, Jokic is the guy that often gets to make that first read about, hey, do I want to go to option one or do I want to pivot into a free flowing and reverse the ball on the other side? And he, uh, in in this game, I thought that he just looked at the Michael Porter option a lot and was like, hey, no, I'm going to try to force this option. If it was option number one, I'm going to kind of allow him to, to freelance here and try to find him in position and you know again that's just a good sign of of your star player trying to get a guy going who hasn't quite gotten going this uh you know over the last couple of games and porter did he had 10 points in the first i think 5 minutes or something of this game did not score again which is more as concerning if not more concerning than it was that he got going so quickly but at least early on it looked like porter had established himself uh, offensively gonna take a quick break here and tell you about breck brewery the official brewery sponsor of dnvr partner of dnvr you know they've been a partner for us for a long time and let's talk about seltzers i call them boozies but a lot of people call them, most people call them seltzers in fact i might be the only person on earth calling them a boozy i'm trying to make that a thing but it, it just feels right doesn't it feel right it's a boozy breck is finally introducing their seltzer line and it comes in a beautiful Jokic 15 pack they've got apple pear my personal favorite cherry which is good peach which is my second favorite berry which i don't think i've had yet honeydew which is my third favorite i think it's called mountain berry and i haven't had that one yet um but they're fantastic i'm a big i'm a big boozy fan so i like these ones i'm old guys i don't care about what you want to say drinking this type of beer that type of beer i like the boozies they're light they don't you know make me hug over or whatever. You can head to the Breck Brewer locator and see where the closest 15 pack of Breck Seltzer is. So you can pick one up and try these out. the DMVR fam, we've been drinking these for the last two weeks, and I'm telling you, we got them we had to like keep the secret. Two weeks ago we got a shipment and we gotta start trying them. And it was like you can't talk about these for, you know, ten days or whatever. And we're like, man, this is a dread, even doing our shows, we're like, man, we want to drink these, but we we have to like put them in a cup or something because we can't let anybody see the you know, before Breck Brewery officially launches them. So you want to check them out. You can also check out the farmhouse, which is down in um, the southern part of the Denver metro area. I think it's in Littleton. Socially distanced, really delicious food. They have a great food. They have a, like a great food menu with like wings and burgers and all kinds of great stuff. Um, so you want to check them out. Also, want to tell you about MSU. I, actually, I will to tell you about DraftKings, the presenting sponsor of the show. Um, again, you guys. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball, though we're making our plans over at DNVR for March Madness. Stay tuned. One of my favorite weeks of the year, that first weekend, one of the best four days in sports you can have. But that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a single three-pointer. I don't know when the last time a single NBA team went without hitting a three-pointer. I would guess it's been at least five years, if not 10 or 15 years. Like There's a three-pointer in every single game. Of course, the Utah Jazz tonight made 28 of them. Um, But if you you can bet $1, and if a team makes a three-pointer, you get $100. That's right. There's no strings attached to this. It's a no-brainer. They're trying to get you to download the app. And you should, because that's the easiest way to win $100. It's a slam dunk of a deal. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion. This isn't some offshore bookie. This is you know the real deal you want your money out you pull it out they send it to you uh everything above board download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code dnvr to get your shot to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week that's promo code dnvr must be 21 or older colorado only new customers only restrictions apply winnings paid out in four twenty five dollar free bets see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, getting into the notebook edition and are getting into some of my notes here. Um, I thought that Trey Young just has absolutely no fear as Jamal Murray as a defender. In fact, I would go as far as to say that I think Trey Young comes into a matchup with Denver with he's a killer. Like Trey Young has like, so is Jamal Murray, but Trey Young I think has this extra level of like, he goes into games wanting to absolutely destroy whoever he's going up against. And I think Trey Young actually can be a little bit of a selfish player. Like he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to, you know, do everything. But when he gets a matchup like Denver, where he just feels like the guys guarding him have no chance, he really gets cooking and he really starts to get cocky. He was talking trash this entire game. You know, Jamal Murray for being, um, as confident as he is as a player. And if, I don't know if anybody caught the post game show, you see, he's not worried. He's confident. He's, he's, you know, definitely, definitely on the extreme of, of, um, you know, just the like confidence scale for, for NBA players. Um, but you know, Trey Young is that way. And even more so, I would say he loves to talk trash. He loves to get himself going that way. And he just feels like he's the best player on the court every single night. And he certainly was in this game, but he has no fear of Jamal Murray as a defender, no fear of Will Barton as a defender, no fear of really anybody that, that Denver put on him. I thought Faku did a great job, but you know, he got the better of Faku quite a bit as well. Um, it's kind of funny that Trey Young and Mike. Porter Jr. are best friends because Trey Young sent Michael Porter to the to the bench. He's the reason that Michael Porter had to sit out in this game for so many minutes, and he did it on the most annoying play call in the in in the NBA right now, which is the shot fake. Get the defender in the air, and then step forward as far as you can to draw contact. This play it used to be a point of emphasis that the. Referees, were not going to be calling this if you jump that far forward. That point of emphasis lasted like half a season a couple seasons ago. Now you're back to, if you get a defender in the year, no matter if they're near you or not, if you just run or jump as far forward as you can and make contact, you get the foul. And I hate it. It's my least favorite. I mean, this isn't a Nuggets thing. This is an NBA thing. If Denver does it, they get the call as well. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's dangerous. I put out a video of this on, on my Twitter handle at Adam underscore So if you want to check it out, it kind of went viral. I think it got like a a ton of interaction with people. Everybody hates this call. But anyway, that's what he does. He shot fakes Michael Porter, jumps forward about five steps and draws the contact and Michael Porter has to go to the bench. Um, Bull Bull comes into the game, which was interesting. Um, You know, Denver's so short-handed right now that Michael Malone has to get creative. We talk all year about you have to stay ready because when your number's called, it's not fair. I get so many fans. Like I got a, a, a Isaiah Hartenstein Stan, who's in my you know DMs. Anybody you know somebody I, I talk to somewhat you know somewhat uh, regularly. But you know I got that person in my mention saying, hey, he's not being treated fairly. You got R.J. Hampton stands. You got Michael Porter. You know a lot of Michael Porter stands. But bull, bull. The thing is, is it's not fair. This the NBA, and it's also the real world. Like a lot of the people watching this, I think you know when I get those types of mentions, I always. I kind of noticed that it usually skews young because people have this idea of fairness and what's the best for the team. And I get it. Like there is an idea of, Hey man, if you're the guys, guy is so talented, it's worth, you know, sacrificing. But at the same time, you know, the way the real world works is you don't always get a fair shake. You've got to make the most of whatever opportunity you get. And this is especially true in the NBA where, Bull Bull might be, I don't know, he might be talented enough that it's like, it's crazy that they would try to play anybody over him, get over that learning curve and let him get out there. But what I do know is how it's going to work, or how it is like, you know, for him, if it is going to succeed, which is that he this was a night where he got an opportunity, go out there and do everything as technically sound as you can make as few mistakes as you can. And hopefully your talent will will show through. I think so many players think, all right, I got to go out there and show my talent. No, what you got to do is go out there and show that you can be trusted because the first thing that has to happen is the team and the coach have to trust you. And then they're going to start to utilize you. And I think with bowl bowl, it just doesn't, it didn't seem like he was necessarily, you know, dialed in um, the way you would expect on one of the first plays. This is basic basketball stuff. you get Jokic isolated on the uh, left block and he's backing somebody down uh bull bull cuts through and then exits out the side of you know he's on the opposite side of so Jokic is on the left block he's on the right wing he cuts through and one rule of thumb is you never cut behind the guy with the ball in the post you fill if you cut through and don't get the ball you fill out on the opposite side and then everybody kind of shifts over well he Cuts behind Jokic, brings a second defender on the blind side, and Jokic loses the ball. Gallo pokes it away. And it's just one of those things Jokic will get the turnover, but that was a bull bull mistake. And it was a mistake that it, it's a mistake that I'm sure Jokic is looking at and going, Who on earth would make this mistake? This is basketball 101. Um, but you know, people just get trained differently a little, you know, a little bit in Europe as opposed to, to me. That was a basketball fundamental from, you know, at the latest freshman year of college. Um, and I know Bowl Bull, Bull only had one year of college, but I can't imagine he doesn't understand that very like rule of thumb for for what to do when somebody has the ball in the post. Um, Denver had some, despite what happened in this game, Denver actually had some elite defensive possessions in that first quarter. Some plays where you watch it, where you go back and watch it and you go, OK, they forced the Hawks into six, seven, eight passes, everybody on a string, um, the team reading each other. Michael Porter on the court, Zeke Naji on the court, but still still doing it, still dialed in. Um, and some of those plays got broken down by just tough shot making, and some of those plays got broken out by one player. You know, every the hard part of basketball at the NBA level is rotating on a string and everybody kind of being together and reading the court. The hard part, but not the hardest part, is – just keeping guys in front of you. And there were so many plays where Denver would make like four or five great rotations. And then Jamal Murray, Will Barton, somebody would just get beaten one-on-one off the dribble. And then it was all for not like you did a great job. Everybody recovered. And then Trey Young just goes right around you, or Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter going around guys. It was wild. Um, the last defensive play of the game, there was two of these that happened with each of Denver's leaders. Uh, I'm going to talk about the other one here. Actually, I'll talk about them back to back, but the last play of the first quarter Jokic, Trey Young has started to kind of get going a little bit. Jokic is up top. He's guarding somebody on the wing. On the other wing is like Murray on Trey Young. Well, Jokic is worried that Trey Young's going to get by Murray. So he helps far off of the shooter, which is fine because Jokic is so big and tall that he can run a guy off of the line or whatever. But instead, Trey Young drives and then kicks to the to Jokic's man. So Jokic has, is supposed to just close out. But rather than close out, Jokic goes for the steal. He misses it. And the ball swings to the corner. Everybody has to rotate corners wide open. You get a wide open corner three. Denver was up nine that cut it to six. And that's a big jump because then Jokic comes out of the game. He goes to the bench. You start the second quarter and the second sto- quarter opens with a 3 pointer. So You go from having a nine-point lead, which maybe you just play sound defense and you make somebody, you know, get a, a tough two at the rim or something. And okay, now you're only up, uh, you know, seven points or whatever. But instead you give up a three and then you open the second quarter on a three and that nine-point lead was down to three and just in, in quick, quick succession. And it was a killer. And one of the first plays in the second quarter, Jamal Murray makes a great rotation on the backside to stop a roller who catches a pass on a pick and roll. So he stops him outside of the restricted area. It's a tough floater spot. Bull bull sinks down, so he's going to help. But rather than just wall up and be big and force, I think it was, I can't, it might have been a Coro. rather than force a Coro into like a tough jump hook instead Jamal Murray tries to block the shot gets caught on a pump fake he goes for the home run uh, play gets caught on a pump fake and gives up an and one and that was the three that started the second quarter so you get Jokic gambling for a home run play and it costs you three points then you get Murray gambling on a home run play and it costs you three points and that was six point that goes from a nine point lead to a three point lead and the game spiraled out of control quickly after that. Uh, Another note I have in here, it's kind of a random one and you're not going to be able to unsee it once I tell you, but Denver seems to be really bad at spacing on a jump ball. I've noticed it a few times and I put this up on the list. It's kind of a funny one, but Denver, when there's a jump ball and there was one in this game, you know, usually you, 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 you carve out your so- your spots around the the circle around the jump ball where it's like 50-50 the space the real estate. Denver was at like 20-80 meaning all their players were bunched up together and there was all this zone for the ball to be tipped where the Hawks would get it. And I've noticed it with Denver a bunch of times so keep your eye out to hit at me hit me up on Twitter if you notice it cuz it, it kind of sticks out. The Hawks went zone. Teams have been going zone against Denver a lot especially when they don't have all of their shooters out there. If you get a configuration that features, you know, RJ Hampton for example and maybe compl- although Composo is draining his threes in this game late uh you get a couple guys out there who maybe the teams don't respect or fear as much and they uh they'll they'll go to zone and they went to zone in this one i'm no i don't think hartenstein actually recognized it on the first play he kept setting ball screens up top which is not what denver calls for at least not the way that he was he was screening them and it's just a recognition thing um was on the court I, i was surprised he didn't get the team situated better uh on that possession Bull Bull just plays way too relaxed. And I think you know, I've I think I've talked about this years before when I was covering the Nuggets. But some players just don't look like they're trying hard, even though they are, they just don't, you know, grit their teeth when they're playing, or when they run, they just don't have like we joked about Kenneth Freed, he had that long hair, so it always looked like he was running hard because his hair was always flopping around. It's like a real asset to you. I think Bull Bull is a guy who just never looks like he's playing that hard, he always looks so unsure of himself, but at the same time. You know, I'm sure it killed. you. Watch if you watch Composo play, you could tell that that guy has his finger on the turbo button at all times, like he's always going 100 miles per hour. Whereas Bull Bull, it looks like he doesn't know where the turbo button is, and it's one thing he really could do to up his uh, his scoring, in my opinion, or up his minutes. Look like you're playing hard. Um, and then I talked about Zeke Naji, he did such a good job on some of the co- complex defensive rotations, and I, I was just so impressed with. George Carl over on my show with him, keeping it 1,000 with George Carl. If you don't, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. It's a great, great show. But one of the things he talks about, stupid hurts more than smart saves you, meaning mistakes kill you on defense. You can make all kinds of great plays, but if you're a mistake prone, it's just like minus 10 every time you make a mistake. Zeke's just... Doesn't make a lot of mistakes defensively. I mean, he makes some, but he doesn't make nearly as many as most rookies that would be put in the position that he was put in in this game. And it was, I was just very, very impressed by his defense. Um, Barton, I, I mentioned earlier, Barton got blown by by Herder Later in the game, Murray got blown by by Herter. It's just great. Kevin Herter is a great, really interesting player because he's a great shooter. Um, and he's like a su- fundamentally sound player. He knows what to do, but he is not a guy that should be anybody off of the dribble. And the fact that he got Denver's starting one and two, it's like, come on, man, <laughs> you gotta be better than that. Um, Jokic had two awful foul, awful turnovers in a row. I mean, he was just so out of his game. And like I said, they had built up, the starters had built up that nice lead. I think it was 11 points or something like that. Maybe it was nine. And then in an in instant it was dissolved. And then by the time he ch- Picks back in. I just thought he was so grouchy and moody. And he comes in and he had two turnovers in a row. row. Um, and they were like really bad ones, types that he never makes. One of them was John Collins is on Zeke Nagy. Uh Michael Porter is in the dunker spot and he's setting a flare screen so that Zeke Nagy is wide open. And Collins, who Jokic no doubt could see standing there, not guarding Zeke Naji, but instead protecting the rim. And Jokic doesn't pass it to Naji. Instead, he tries to go up, gets blocked horribly. And it was just one of those plays where, like, Jokic, Yo, did you not see him? What's going on? And this is why I said I think he's a little frustrated and a little tired because those are not the types of plays that he makes too often. Um, uh, Nuggets Nuggets just kept getting blown by left and right at this point. Like, once the wheels came off, Denver couldn't keep anybody in front of them. And I don't again, maybe it was fatigue. They had energy for the first quarter, but after that, it started to fall apart. I don't know, um, but it, but it certainly got uh, got ugly. Take our final break here uh, and let you know about MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is a Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world inside the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. um, And it's a lot of different type real life skills to use in the workplace. No BS fodder that will never apply in the class. You know, none of that type of stuff. You're going to MSU Denver Online. It's because you want to change careers or better yourself or learn about some skill or uh you know just something some subject that you really are interested in and of course working a job and taking a class that's what a lot of people at msu online are doing and so they know how to build a curriculum around that type of person so if you are a person that needs to work right now to keep paying the bills but you are curious about learning a new skill or maybe switching careers check out msu denver online also, want to tell you about the Colorado XOs. It's kind of a weird name, I'm not going to lie, but I got to tell you, Rugby Town USA is excited to introduce you to our new rugby venture and team, the Colorado XOs. XOs are athletes. It's like XOs is like crossovers, not hugs and kisses, like crossovers. Are athletes who have competed at the highest level of their respective sports, coming from backgrounds in football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, and track and field. We're talking about top athletes in the world who possess all the necessary skills to excel at the game of rugby. This is a nice push for USA Rugby to really try to bring rugby to to the U.S., try to uh, change some of these guys. Maybe they didn't make it for one reason or another in their respective skills, but they're peak athletes, um, and now they're trying to convert them into – I think it's a really cool experiment, man. Um, I've always wondered, like – you look at handball in like, would Jokic be the world's best handball player? Nobody really plays handball, but when you watch the Olympics, you go, man, you know who'd be great at that? A seven-footer with incredible hand-eye coordination um, and this insane IQ. Um, but it's the same with rugby. You got rugby. We talk about guys that are fast, have great hand-eye coordination, or just tough. Whatever it is, strong, solid as a rock converting those guys to rugby it's a really interesting experiment experiment you can learn about all the athletes and their stories at infinitypark at glendale.com check them out and then of course Colton Strigler has you covered over at DNVR with the weekly DNVR rugby podcast if you're a rugby fan you want to learn more about the XOs check that out final segment here on the DNVR nuggets podcast doing a notebook episode solo here going to be back tomorrow with the guys live in studio for the post game show and of course don't forget to check out the pre game show as well um, wrapping up here, Trey started stunning on the nuggets in the third quarter. And this reminds me so much of last season when Trey young just completely clowning the nuggets, talking trash to the bench, Denver, you know, you can't say Denver soft. Cause you saw what they did when they were down three, one last year, mentally, I think they can be tough, but there was a point it was about this time in the season last year when Denver went into the Clippers got just absolutely destroyed. And Will Barton said, Hey, everybody looks around and thinks we're punks. Like we're like, we just don't have it. This was one of those games where I'm like, Trey Young is basically telling these guys that they are soft, that they can't, they're not on his level. I mean, he's just sitting there stunting on him and nobody could do anything about it. But he had two logo threes and both of them were basically FUs just saying like, this is how confident I am against you guys. I'm just going to heave a 40 foot three pointer and swish it. And to me, you know, somebody has to take that personally I think Jamal Murray has to take that personally Trey Young is younger than him Jamal Murray has accomplished you know some things in the NBA I mean it's two 50 point games in the bubble you know coming up clutch all of that but Trey Young is one of those guys that is gunning for him and saying hey I know that people think you're this th- this guy but every time I play you I torch you and I gotta say it was a bad look for Denver that Trey Young did as much as he did and just did not it seemed completely unafraid of, uh, of the Denver Nuggets backcourt and, and really hadn't anybody. Um, Michael Porter, one of the, he has a lot of like little skills to work on. One of them is he really has to learn to take it to the basket stronger. I mean, he's just all finesse all the time and he's a great finesse player. But he had a, a take to Capella where he goes at Capella at the basket and rather than jump in or try to dunk on him or just whatever, he fades away like he's going to shoot a fadeaway and Capella blocks it backwards like it was just like hey you can't take it up soft and that's just a thing Michael Porter he has to get a lot stronger stronger hands everything you know stronger legs all that stuff but mentally the mental approach of taking it stronger to the basket I think is important with him the Nuggets got down by 16 and here's the story of the game guys Mo- Michael Malone yanked everyone but Jokic he puts in Bol Bol which is kind of hilarious RJ Hampton Faku, and Monte I mean that maybe that lineup works I like putting in a bunch of guys that rely on on Jokic and you have that sort of in that lineup but it just didn't pan out Bol Bol, Bol continues to travel on record scratches I heard this coming out of camp that he was a guy the team wanted to be more trigger happy with his three-pointer. Less trigger happy with some of his attacks, but more trigger happy with just the idea of like, hey, it's my, if I catch it and I'm open, go up with it. Because he has so much, at seven foot two and that high release, he has so much gravity. If he had Zeke Naji's mentality, which Zeke Nagy's not trying to do anything other than catch and shoot wide open threes. If he had that mentality, I think he would be really effective. Um, because every time he like second guesses himself, he travels when he tries to drive it. I mean, he's like, I don't know how many travels he has in his young career, but they're all off of the exact same thing, not shooting when he's supposed to and putting it on the, the, trying to put the ball on the court and kind of shuffling his feet right as he does it. Nuggets made a nice little run in the fourth and they cut it to 11. And what's interesting is Jokic didn't have it. You put in Hartenstein and Jamal Murray started getting going. And I think part of it was, you no longer are playing Jokic ball, you're playing Murray ball. And if Jokic doesn't have it, you might as well go to Murray ball. And Murray had it. I almost wish they would have stuck with that lineup a little bit. I will say, and this is tough on Hartenstein, by no means do I feel like the game is on him, but the Nuggets had this crazy run. It's like 13 to two or 15 to two run. some Some crazy run to make this a game. And I know they would have kept it going. But Hardstein had one of the worst turnovers ever. And it was like one of those plays where it was like you needed everything to go right. And everything was going right. You had all this momentum. You're two baskets away. If you're at 11, you cut it to seven with like four and a half minutes left. You're golden. The other team starts to choke but Hartenstein had just a horrible, horrible pass that Gallinari stole and Denver, like the game was over then. <laughs> Atlanta comes down. The rhythm was all, all done for Denver and they couldn't get out of it again. I'm not blaming Hartenstein. He just happened to be the one that made the mistake as uh, Denver was making their run. But the story of the game, Michael Porter jr. I thought Zeke Naji on rewatch played great. I wasn't sure why he got the nod over Michael Porter, but afterwards I thought, Oh, okay, that was it. But, I would have played both of them. You know, the culprits defensively in this game. I thought Jokic was really bad on offense for whatever reason. You almost never say that, but he just was in this game. And I thought Murray and Barton played one of their worst games, both of them, worst games defensively at trying to contain dribble penetration. They looked disinterested. They looked tired. um, They looked incapable of doing it. Those are the guys that I would have looked at. I mean, especially Barton, and he did get the, you know, the ax. But Porter was a guy out there, especially when you talk about being down 20. You need buckets. I don't care if you have guys out there that can get stopped. You need buckets, and not only that, you're down 20 points. Play. This is a perfect time to play Porter. You need to get him minutes. You need to get his confidence up. And the only reason you would bench him is if you felt like he was the reason that you were losing, or you felt like he was not doing something that you had repeatedly told him to do. And maybe that was the case. But I sense that this was a game that Michael Malone let his biases and sort of in and in, in sort of like the worst devils of his nature get the better of him with Michael Porter. To me, he he was no worse than Jamal Murray, Will Barton or other guys that got the nod and uh, I think it was an absolute mistake. I've criticized Malone for how he's handled Porter a lot but never liked this one. Most of it was like I don't understand it. I hope he does this or that. This one was a game on rewatch. It was this way on live but on rewatch especially where I thought, man, is he the scapegoat for this game or what? Because he he definitely should have closed. It, had an opportunity to close out that game, and it kills me that Porter had a couple games in a row where it looked like he started having things going. He gets 10 points in the first quarter of this one, and then all of a sudden, you just see his confidence wilt away again, and I don't I don't get it. I don't understand Michael Malone's strategy, and I think the Nuggets need to have more of a sense of urgency with him, because Michael Porter makes mistakes, and I call it out all the time. People think I'm a Michael Porter hater. That's how much I call it out, but this was a game where I think there was no excuse for Michael Malone not to play him, and I, I put... Not the loss on Michael Malone, but I, th- I put the bad taste that the Nuggets are going to have to have uh, you know, in their mouths after this game on Michael Malone because you got to use your opportunities to develop a guy. That's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be back again tomorrow, like I said, in the lounge with the full squad. Can't wait for it. Um, Nuggets Portland should be a great, great game. A lot of stakes. This is a divisional game. Denver-Portland, obviously a team that is having the season Denver wishes they were, where Damian Lillard... Has been willing the Portland Trailblazers to victory, and has had some big nights. They're coming off a loss they played uh, on Monday at Phoenix, so this is a road back-to-back for them. Denver should have the upper hand, but they got to take care of business, and they're going to need big performances from all of their key guys, including Michael Porter Jr. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you about Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family, family dentist. Because they are our preferred uh, family dentist, and they're the best damn family dentist in all of the metro area. You know them right up in Lakewood, 10 minutes from downtown, and they are the company that is the family-owned company that, you know, uh, offers you a free Sonicare toothbrush when you get a cleaning x-ray and exam. Uh, they also are just the, the type that will send you, they treat you like family. They'll send you birthday cards, uh, Christmas cards, you know, they'll know your name when you come in, they, they, they know about you. They're there to make sure that your experience at the dentist is as good as it possibly can be. And again, only 15 minutes from downtown. So check them out, Green Mountain Dental Group.